We have been looking at the 12th chapter of the book of Romans now for quite a period of time. I can't think of another portion of God's word that has more practical application of the spiritual truths that the Lord has revealed to us in the doctrinal section of the book of Romans in the preceding 11 chapters. He turns in this 12th chapter to tell us now, having understood what Christ has done for us, here's how he expects us to live. Not to gain God's merit or God's favor. Only Christ has the merit necessary for us to be forgiven of our sins and to be granted the gift of eternal life so that when we receive him, we pass from death into life, not based upon any works that we have done, but solely upon God's mercy and upon his grace. But then, once we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we now come to this 12th chapter that tells us, here's how you put this into practice. This is the way I expect for you to live. And we have looked at this sub-series in Romans 12 under the, the title, IOU. IOU, a variety of different behaviors that would be reflective of the relationship that I have with Christ and would demonstrate the forgiveness that I've already received and the grace that God has given to me through His Son. Now we come to the last of those IOUs. And if you would look with me, please, at verses 15 and 16, I'd like to read these, and then we want to take a look at this blueprint that God has given us for the way he wants us to behave. In verse 15 of Romans chapter 12, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. uh, But uh, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. What the Lord is telling us in these two verses really lays a groundwork for the way that we as a body of believers can find our unity in Christ. Many of the other exhortations that we've been given really can function outside of the realm of our unity. But when we come to these verses, now it's drawing us together as a body of believers, and he begins to tell us, here's the way I want you to behave in your walk with me. I want you to to live your life in a way that manifests an empathy that is not characteristic of the world. When we talk about empathy, we're talking about that ability to identify with another individual. And the Lord said that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. We are to weep with those who weep. What the Lord does not allow is for us to remain indifferent towards one another. He does not expect us to be disinterested in the things that are going on in someone else's life. And that brings us to the place where we understand that what God is asking us to do is to reflect His nature in the way He identifies with us. You'll remember how uh, in, in the Old Testament, as you read through that, the people of Israel really were not well behaved. They did a lot of things 
on many occasions that were displeasing and dishonoring to the Lord. As a result of that, he often brought judgments down upon them. You read through the book of Judges and you're going to find a whole host of events that take place where the people rebelled against God, he brought judgment, they repented, he once again blessed them. And then they go through that cycle again and again and again. You will often read this, that the Lord looked with compassion upon his people. He saw that under the hand of his judgment, they felt and they realized that what God was doing to them was actually for them. He was bringing pain into their lives. He was bringing suffering into their lives in order to turn them back to himself so that they would live their lives with the best possible outlook. And he understood that causing their pain would bring them to the place where he could now look compassionately upon them as they would cry out to him. When Jesus came, we find that there were many situations where Jesus looked upon the people with compassion. When he would see those with illness, we're told about the compassion of the Lord, he would look upon their suffering and he would do what he was able to do. In many cases, he brought healing to those who were sick. For those who were demon-possessed, he cast out demons. Uh, for, for those who died, he brought back life. And he looked at the people that were suffering with compassion, identifying with them. But he also rejoiced with them. The very first miracle that he performed was done at a wedding. Now, a wedding is usually a, a celebration. And I have no reason to believe that it was anything but that. Here is Jesus rejoicing with those who rejoice. He is weeping with those who weep. You'll find that he does that at the, the site of Lazarus where he weeps with those who weep. And you'll find that he is rejoicing with those who rejoice. I say all of that to bring us to this place. The Lord expects for us, as followers of Christ, to conform to the image of Christ, which would be reflective of the nature of who he is. When we talk about the, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the, the, the uh, patience, all of the different elements that are involved with that character of Christ, he now says to us, I want you to put that into practice for each other. I want you to look at one another with an understanding of how important it is for you to be empathetic towards those who are going through times of suffering and those who are going through times of rejoicing. Now you and I might think this. We might think that that really seems unnecessary to, to say. Because, you know, it, it's kind of a neat thing if you, you see somebody uh, rejoicing because something really good has happened to them. Or you, your heart begins to break because something really sad happens to them. But it's not always the case. There are times when the very sinful nature of who we are takes over from that which God would have us to be. And sometimes, when we see people rejoicing, instead of rejoicing with them, we become jealous. Why are they experiencing that? Do you know what I'm going through right now? No, 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 no. 
No. This isn't time for you to think about you. This is a time for you to think about the other person. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. And sometimes when we find people going through hardships and times of weeping, what we are really doing when we see this unfolding, we're passing judgment on them. Well, why are they going through such difficult times? What is it that caused them to experience this pain and this loss and this suffering? Instead of saying, you know what? Whatever the reason, God knows what He's doing in their life. What I need to do is come beside you. And when you weep, I just want you to know I'm there weeping with you. Do you ever, do you ever wonder what, what you say to somebody that's just lost a close loved one? You know, pastors have to do this sort of thing all the time because people die. Sometimes a person loses a parent. And it's really hard for the kids. And sometimes a mate loses their mate. Sometimes a parent loses a child. What do you say? What, what words are there that will bring comfort? And I know that from a Christian point of view, we understand the implications of what God is doing even when death occurs. But sometimes, instead of being what God intends for us to be, we try to drop a bomb that supposedly, bomb, B-A-L-M, that is supposedly designed to, uh, to bring comfort. Oh, God knows what He's doing. That doesn't bring comfort. You know what you do? You hold their hands and you cry with them. That's what you do. You rejoice with those who rejoice and you weep with those who weep. And then finally what he would want us to know is that our unity is more than just a positional element. It is a very practical thing. Here is what we talk about as followers of Christ. We are the body of of Christ, are we not? We are a local representation of the body of Christ. Now, the body of Christ really covers the globe. There are people all around the world that are part of the body of Christ in its entirety. But we are a local manifestation of the body of Christ, and the Lord tells us that we are one in Him. This is why people will refer to each other as my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ. We have a unity that is developed and designed by the purpose of God to bring us together as one body. And then he describes the spiritual gifts that he has given to us as being part of the body that is to be used for a specific purpose. Are all the hand? No, not all are the hand. Some are the hand, but some are the foot. And some do this task, and some do that task. And so he designs us to be part of a body. And when the body hurts in one area, the whole body hurts. You've hit, guys, maybe women too, you've hit your thumb with a hammer when you're nailing. What do you do? Well, (laughs) okay... (laughs) 
reminds me of the little boy who was watching the pastor nail some boards up to, and he's just standing there and he watches the pastor and watches the pastor and watches him. And he's not doing anything. Finally, the pastor says, uh, son, he says, you've been standing there for half an hour. What are you doing? He says, I want to hear what a pastor says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> okay, not great, but you have the idea. The whole body reacts. Uh, let me put it in these terms. Last night, Villanova plays Oklahoma. Good game for part of the time, but Villanova destroys Oklahoma in the second half. Biggest margin of victory, I think, in maybe the second biggest in the history of the NCAA championship. Now, if you're not interested in this, just be for a minute or two, okay? When Villanova won the game, the cameras switch to the crowd. And the crowd is going crazy. All the people with the Villanova shirts on, they're cheering, they're jumping around, they're happy as can be, their band is playing. And then they take the camera and they swing it over to the Oklahoma side. Did any of you see this? Poor little boy. I should be empathetic. The poor little boy is sitting there like this. And he's just got the saddest look on his face. Those fans did not play for Villanova. But they identified themselves. And because the players on the court were rejoicing, they were rejoicing. And that little boy did not play for Oklahoma, but because Oklahoma was... You know what? I think some of them might have been weeping. He was downcast. Because when you are a body, when you're part of the same group, that's the way you respond. When the Lord looks at us and He says, within this body, there are going to be times to rejoice together. You rejoice. Within this body, there will be times of sorrow. There will be times to weep. You weep. And that's part of being a follower of Christ who wants to live for His glory. In the 16th verse, he goes on to tell us this. The first part of the verse. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. In the first part of that verse, he is describing harmony. He is telling us about the things that cause us to be of the same mind. And when we talk about being harmonious, he tells us there is a likeness that goes together, that goes along with being part of the body of Christ. And that likeness is to work together in such a way that you are essentially on the same page. Now, there are specifics in our lives that are going to always be different. But there are certain things within the, lives, within the life of every believer that should be consistent and should be in total harmony with 
the same elements in every other believer's life. And he introduces us to some in our our understanding. The first is this, that the object of our adoration has to be the same. When we talk about the things that we adore, there may be things that you look at in your life, and I'm sure that today the Peary's are adoring their grandchild. And I don't know the grandchild. I will not look upon the grandchild the same way that they will. I will look upon my grandchildren with that adoration. And you should too. And I look... (laughs) Okay, some of you are a little bit slow today, but that's all right. That's all right. Um, There are going to be unique elements that, that accompany our adoration. But when it comes to the one we adore, we worship the same Savior. We worship Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again from the dead. We don't worship Jesus and Mary. We worship Jesus, the Savior, the Redeemer, There is no co-redemptrix, regardless of what church traditions might say. There is one Redeemer. There is one Lord. And our responsibility and our privilege is to worship and adore the Lord Jesus Christ as the captain of our lives. Let me ask you a question. Who is your Lord? Now answer that to yourselves honestly. Is Jesus Christ the Lord? Or are you the Lord? Is your job the Lord? Are your recreational pursuits the Lord? For the believer, there is only one Lord. We are to live in harmony with one another, which means we must embrace not only the same Savior, but we must embrace the same Lord, so that when God speaks, when He tells us through His Word what He intends for us to to do and to be, we are all on the same page. You know, one of the reasons why I think, if, if you've never been to one of our business meetings, you need to come. Uh, even if you're not a member, you, you, you come to one of the business meetings and you'll be, I, I think you'll be surprised at how peaceful they are. Uh, some business meetings in churches are not that peaceful. Uh, I've literally read about churches having to call the police because fistfights have broken out during business meetings. We haven't had one of those in the last two years. Nor even before that. Part of the reason is this. We may disagree about certain things. And and you're probably already thinking, yeah, I know churches disagree with the colors of the carpet. Do you remember when we had to rebuild this auditorium in 2005 after the hurricane? Do you remember how that all unfolded? And we just realized that the committee that was designed to rebuild do the the, uh, auditorium with the panels. Now, they they weren't instructed to do this. This is what that 
committee decided. They picked the colors of the carpet. They, they picked the colors of the pews. They picked the paneling for the front. And do you know the neat thing about that? We all loved it. Didn't we? Yeah, why? Because we determined in advance that that is not the important thing. Our unity as a body of believers is far more important so that we live in harmony with each other and that ultimately there are things that are far more important than the color of the carpet. One of the things that is more important are our values. We, we love peace. Don't we? I, I don't like to be at odds with people. I don't like to be at odds with groups. I love peace. And one of the things that brings about harmony is the fact that we embrace the same values. The Lord says, blessed are the peacemakers. So we look for ways to be at peace, not for ways to be at odds. One of the things that we embrace as followers of Christ is truth. And sometimes truth is difficult to communicate, but if the truth is spoken in love, there can be harmony. We have truth as a value. We have love for one another as a value. Do I always do everything you you love? Oh, why are you saying no? I'm seeing heads go like this and I'm hearing people say no. And listen, I understand that. I'm not always going to do things that all of you love. You're not going to do things that I love. But you know what? I still love you. My love for you is more important than anything you do. And I hope that the same is true in the opposite direction. You look at the people in the pews around you and you better love them. Because by the love that you have for each other, you demonstrate your fidelity as a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, we we embrace the same values. That's why we have harmony. And then there's a third element that enters the picture. The goals. What's your goal? My goal in life is to expand my business into a huge mega million dollar event. And if God has that as a plan for you, that's fine because there are going to be individual plans that God has for different people. We are going to have different goals individually. You are going to marry a person other than my wife. Okay, although she does say that her next husband is going to be rich. That's all right. I say my next wife is going to drink coffee. So anyway, we, we have really high goals. <laughs> anyway, do, do you understand what I'm saying when I, when I say that? We, we have individual goals. Occupationally, you will have different goals from one another. You will have different uh, goals as far as your families are concerned. Some of you will have different goals educationally, and you will have a variety of different ways of looking at life in a unique way. But there are certain goals that are common that should be embraced by every follower of Christ. Is it one of your goals to reach other people with the gospel of Christ? 
Okay, I'm not asking you now for a response. And, and I know that that is the goal for some of you. I don't know if it's a goal for all of you, but it should be. It should be your goal to reach others for Christ. Is it your goal to be conformed more and more day by day to the image of Jesus Christ? It should be. Is it your goal to embrace the truths of God's Word in such a way that you are constantly growing in the grace and the knowledge of Christ? Is it your goal that you live your life day by day showing whether through the difficult times or through the good times that your commitment is to Christ as your Savior and Lord? Those should be the same for every one of us. And you know what? When they are, we're in unity. We're unified. We're in harmony. We, we think the same things. As Paul goes on to say in the remainder of that verse, notice in the, the last part of verse 16, he says, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Okay, now he introduces the third element to us. The humility. The empathy. The harmony. And the humility. And he looks at us and he says this. Some of you may have a real problem. You may think you're something special. You may think that you're some highfalutin, highbrow person. And if you'll remember, James wrote about this when he said, if someone comes into your company who is well-dressed and very obviously a fine, upstanding citizen, don't you treat that person any differently than a person who walks into your congregation who is dressed in shattered, uh, shattered, tattered clothing, who has body odor, who perhaps does not know social graces because none of you are better than anybody else. Sometimes we get the idea we're better than somebody else because we are socially on a higher rung. And I understand, there are going to be different levels of social interaction. If you think you're something special, do you know how long it would be for the Lord to take that away from you? You're only where you are by His grace. I am where I am by His grace. That's it. Just because you have some advanced educational degree, does that make you any better than anybody else? No. No. We're, we're not any better than anybody else just because we might have a little bit more money than somebody else. Or maybe we exercise a little more influence and power. We're no better than anybody else. The Lord says that there are ways that you show that you are truly demonstrating an understanding of who you are as an individual being no better than anybody else. And he says you're going to do it by the way you associate with people. Do you have any trouble throwing your arms around somebody that has body odor? 
Would you embrace a guy that you just saw yesterday standing at the exit ramp at 10th Avenue holding a sign? And today he wants to come and worship. And he walks in and he sits down. Do you look for a different pew? See, the Lord says, don't you dare be that way. And then somebody comes in and they're very, very special. So we, you know, I was going to say we put them in the front pew. (laughs) But this is not the special seat. We put them in the back pew. Assuming they're a Baptist. Because that's where Baptists sit. You all understand what I'm saying, don't you? You know what the Lord wants? He wants us by our actions to show that, that uh, by our associations that we show that we're no better than anyone else and we demonstrate it by our actions. What does that mean? There is no job. What happened? Time's up. There is no job that is beneath me. Okay, here I go. Judge Judy. All right. To the best of my knowledge, not a believer, but she really has good common sense. And people will come on her show, and inevitably, and I've told you this before, uh, how do you make a living? Well, uh, I'm, I'm on, um, what is it? Disability. I'm on disability. You know, they work out at the gym every other day and stuff like that. But, but I'm on disability. And her response is this. You look healthy to me. Why don't you go get a job flipping burgers? Okay? Now, let me tell you this. There is nothing wrong with a job where you're flipping burgers. None of us are above that. How many of you worked at a burger joint? (laughs) Okay, I did too. I worked at McDonald's when I was going to seminary. And it was great. I put on 30 pounds. Uh, no, no, just kidding. Um, there's no, no job is beneath me. If I see a pile of junk in the entryway, I can walk down to the closet down here and get the vacuum and go out and clean that up. Oh, but you're the pastor. Give me the vacuum. And I mean that. There is not a job in the world that's beneath us. There is not a ministry in the world that is beneath us. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And you know, if you employ the empathy, the harmony, and the humility, God says as a group of followers of Jesus Christ, you will dwell together in unity. And I think that's part of the reason we have such unity at Grace Baptist Church. And it's the only way we're going to keep it. Let's stand. Father, your word is so practical. The truth that you've given us concerning the great beliefs that we embrace are paralleled by the truths that you've revealed to us concerning the way to employ those beliefs. And I pray that as your people, we would take Romans 12 and appropriate it to our lives 
How shall we then live? We have the blueprint right here. Cause us to be a people that you rejoice in, that you delight in, as we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.